Welcome to the FBCLB podcast, where you'll find the preaching of Dave Delaney, pastor of the First Baptist Church of Long Beach. Thanks for listening. Take your Bibles this morning and go with me to the book of Mark, Mark chapter number eight this morning. If you don't have your Bible with you, there should be one perhaps in the back of the seat in front of you. Maybe in the back of the seat behind you, you'll find a copy of God's Word. And I would encourage you to pick up that copy and follow along with us this morning. Mark chapter number 8. If you found your place and if you're willing and able, let's stand together out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. Mark chapter number 8 this morning. And we're going to be in verse number 34 all the way down to the end. So verse 34 down to verse number 38. While you're turning and finding your place... Over 21 years ago, I stood on a stage just like this one, made vows to Amanda and before God that in coming together in marriage, I would forsake all others and keep myself only for her as long as I lived. Think about how exclusive that sounds. Do you think it would have been wise in that moment for me to say, well, you know, Amanda, I really do love you, And I'll keep myself for you on Sunday through Thursday, but I really need my Fridays and Saturdays. How many of you know, if I would have said that to Amanda, she would have given me a knuckle sandwich right there. There's an exclusivity that necessitates the relationship. There's an exclusivity that necessitates the relationship. That for Amanda and I to have the kind of marriage that we both truly desire, it requires exclusivity. And the same is true in your relationship with Christ. What you're going to read in Mark chapter 8 in just a moment is an exclusivity that necessitates a relationship. And Christ says, this is the condition... For discipleship, this is the condition for following after me. Look with me, verse number 34. And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, Follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. 
But whosoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. You hear the condition of discipleship? It's found in verse 34. Deny himself. Take up his cross. Follow me. You want to be a follower of Christ? You want to fulfill the theme for our year following Jesus? This is what it necessitates. This is what it requires. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. And follow after Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that you would use your word in our lives. Teach us great and wonderful truths of you this morning. And in Jesus' name we pray. And all the church said together, Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This is the jewel of the Gospel of Mark. If you could only hear one message in Mark's Gospel, this would perhaps be the most important message to hear. It's the theme, it's the halfway point in Mark's gospel. We've been studying the gospel of Mark since the beginning of this year. And now here we sit at the beginning of October, halfway through. And at this halfway point, we have several things of very importance that are taking place. You, you, you'll remember last week, in verse number 29, Jesus asks the disciples, Who do men say that I am? And they say, well, some people think you're John the Baptist, and some think you're Elijah, and some people think you're just one of the prophets. And what we said was, that's a very high view of Christ, but it's a wrong view of Christ. Because Christ is not one of. Christ is the one and only. And Peter responds to this. He says, you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. And now here, after having talked to just the twelve, Jesus calls all the people to him. And he gives them this teaching. And in verse number 34, he says, He called all the people together unto him with the disciples. And he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me. And so while the claim of Jesus being the Messiah was just Jesus and the twelve, this is an invitation to all, anyone, whosoever, it doesn't matter what side of the tracks you're from, doesn't matter how much money you have, doesn't matter what your past is, doesn't matter uh, what your uh, strengths or weaknesses are, doesn't matter what your religious experiences have been, whosoever, whoever chooses to come after me, this is the invitation that whoever you are this morning, wherever you come from this morning, that you can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in trusting in Christ, in putting your faith in Christ, you find forgiveness and blessing and peace and joy and eternal life. And Jesus wants us to recognize that this is not simply limited to the 12. 
This is not something that's exclusive to the 12 alone, but that it's for all those who would follow after him. Look at it again. Verse number 34. Whosoever will come after me. Whoever will come after me. So while Jesus makes the invitation to whosoever, in accepting the invitation to follow after Jesus, it's, it, it means a death blow to any kind of man-centered, self-centered, self-righteous living. This is an invitation. The invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to deny yourself. It's an invitation to pick up your cross. And it's an invitation to be obedient in going after the Lord Jesus Christ in this way. Following Jesus means at least those three things according to this text. Following Jesus means self-denial. Following Jesus means cross-bearing. And following Jesus means loyal obedience to Christ through your life. Whoever will come after me must do this. The context is important. Peter has declared Christ to be the Messiah. You are God in the flesh. But the disciples and Peter himself, they don't have a full understanding of what this actually means. So their view of Christ as the Messiah is that the Messiah is going to come He's going to set up an earthly kingdom. He's going to rule. He's going to reign. He's going to eject the Romans from Israel. And the, and, and the Israelites are going to be back on top again. And yet Jesus says, no, this is not the way that it goes. Remember verse number 31. The Son of Man must suffer many things, must be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and of the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise Again, and Jesus says, if you're following me, and, and I want you to follow me, but in following me, you need to know that there is a cross for you as well. In following after Jesus, we must know that there is a cross for us as well. There is no glory without suffering. There is no crown without the cross. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? Three things. First, following Jesus means self-denial. Look at the text. Verse number 34, whoever will come, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. So what does this mean to deny ourselves? What, is, what does it mean to deny ourselves? For anyone to be able to come after Christ, this is where we must begin. That's what Jesus is saying. You must begin with a denial of yourself. The verb literally means to deny, literally means to disown, to refuse. To reject. So what Jesus is saying is, if you want to come after me, if you want to be a disciple of mine, you must reject, you must disown, you must, you must refuse to associate with. You must realize your sinfulness. You must realize that there is no self-work 
that you can do in order to come after Jesus. There's no amount of religion. There's no amount of morality. There's no amount of civility. There's no amount of goodness that you can do in and of yourself in order to go after Christ. So you must abandon your work. You must reject your righteousness. You must refuse to associate with that. If you hope to follow Jesus, you must deny yourself. Do you remember when Jesus is being crucified? He's being tried, and after his trial, they take him through the courtyard, and they lead him out to be crucified. And as they're this long procession of taking Jesus out, Peter is warming his hands by the fire, and the damsel comes up to Peter and says, you're one of his disciples. He says, no, I'm not. You're one of his disciples. No, I'm not. Leave me alone. You're one of his disciples. And then he curses. He denies Christ. He says, I don't know him. That's what he says. He denies Christ. And in the same way, this is what you and I must do when we come to Christ. We must deny ourselves. We, we must say there's nothing in me. There's no good in me. There's no religion in me. There's no, uh, there's, there's no helping the poor in me. There's no righteousness in me. You must recognize that all of your desires, the lust of the flesh, the, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, that all of your ambitions, all of your righteousness, all of it, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. That in you and in me, there is no good thing at all. There is none righteous, no, not one. You must say like the Apostle Paul says, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is not me. No, for me to live is Christ. You must say like the Apostle Paul says in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. I, I no longer live. I died when Christ died. In fact, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. You must say like the Apostle Paul says in Philippians in chapter number 3, when Paul begins to list all of his credentials, he says, you want to stack up religious credentials? I promise you I have far more than you have. I have far more education than you. I have far more good works than you. I have far more religiousness than you. And yet, Paul says in Philippians, when I think about all of my religious credentials, I realize in the end that they're nothing but trash. That's all they are. They're dung to me. And many people, when you talk to them about their relationship with God, they begin by saying things like, well, well, I, I did this. I went there. I gave that. I said this. I do these things. And Jesus says, they cannot come after me. If in any way you are holding on to yourself or your own work, however religious you think that work may be, you cannot come after me unless you deny it, unless you disown it, unless you refuse it and reject it. 
and in abandoning yourself and in abandoning your religiousness and in abandoning your morality, you will find what the psalmist talks about in Psalm chapter 34, that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in their spirit. Or what the psalmist talks about in Psalm chapter 51 and verse number 17, that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. You see, you cannot come after Christ unless you have denied yourself. How do you know that you're a follower of Christ? How do you know that eternal life is yours? How do you know that forgiveness of sins is something that you have received? If you ask most people that question, they begin by saying, well, because I am this. Or, or they say, because I went there. Or, or because I said this. Or, or because I gave that. You see, that is the incorrect answer. The only proper answer is not in the first person. I did, I said, I went, I gave. The only proper answer is in the third person. Because of him, because of he, because of Christ. If you are saved at all, it is not because of you. It is not because of me. It is not because of us. It is because of him and him alone. I'm asking you this morning, not if you are religious. I'm asking you this morning, not if you are a church member. I'm not asking you this morning if you can explain the doctrine of justification or sanctification. I'm not asking you know if you know the deep things of the scripture. I'm asking you this morning if you have denied yourself to be able to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. You think about the thief on the cross. I cannot wait to meet the thief on the cross one day. The thief on the cross who in one moment is cursing Christ with his friend. And then in the very next moment, he calls out to Christ. And in calling out to Christ, Christ offers him eternal life. You think of it. I'm going to find that guy one day and go, how did you make it? How did you get here? You were cursing him, and then literally the next sentence, you call out to him, and he gives you eternal life. You made it. And he never went to Bible study, and he never got baptized, and he never knew anything about church membership, and yet he made it. He was granted eternal life. I'm certain that must have been the question that the angel asked him when he arrived at heaven's gate. The angel must have looked at the thief and said, what are you doing here? How did you get here? And the man would have replied, I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? Well, I mean, I don't know. What did you... Well, have you, did you, I, I have to get my supervisor angel. And he goes and gets the supervisor angel. And the supervisor angel says, we have some questions for you. Do, do you know anything about the doctrine of justification? No. 
Well, well, do you know anything about the doctrine of the scriptures? And the man just stares at him. And the angel says to him, why? How did you get here? And the thief on the cross would have replied, the man on the middle cross said that I could come. And that is why I am here. You see, friend, that is the way it is with any believer in Jesus. It is not by works of righteousness, which we have done. It's according to his mercies that he saved us. If you want to follow Jesus, follow Jesus begins with a denial of yourself. How do you know you're saved? How do you know your sins are forgiven? How do you know eternal life is yours? The man on the middle cross said I could come. That's how I know. Through Christ alone. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm not asking you this morning if you're religious. I'm asking you this morning if you've denied yourself, you've turned away from your effort, you have rejected your self-righteousness, you have refused your own good work, and you have thrown yourself wholly and fully on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you have believed in his resurrection, and now you are willing to deny yourself and follow after him. That's what I'm asking you this morning. It's the parable that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter number 13 about the man who found a hidden treasure in a field and in order to get the treasure, the man goes to the city and he sells everything that he has. Why? Because he considered the treasure in the field worth more than anything. This is a picture of coming to Christ. You must realize that you must sell all of your own good work. You must sell all of your own good effort. You must sell all of your own strength and your own might and your own success and your own riches and you must become like a little child and you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ having rejected all of your own self-righteousness. That's what I'm asking you. Are you a follower of Jesus? Following Jesus means what, pastor? Following Jesus means first self-denial. Self-denial. That you're not counting on anything in yourself. Following Jesus, secondly, means cross-bearing. You want to come to Jesus, you must start with self-denial. You must say as the songwriter, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Following Jesus means cross-bearing. Look at verse number 34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. What does that mean, to take up our cross? Well, you have to keep in mind that Jesus had not yet told the disciples that he would be crucified. So, so they, don't, they don't have that as a context in their minds. They, they, do, they do not know yet what this means. And Jesus has told them, yes, he's going to suffer and he's going to die. 
But Jesus has not told them about the crucifixion. So when Jesus says, take up your cross, what, what would they have thought of? Well, they would have only thought of one thing. Death by crucifixion. And crucifixion to us is an unfamiliar sight. Crucifixion to us is something we only associate with Jesus. But in that day and in that age, crucifixion was a very familiar sight. And Josephus writes and says that at one time there were 800 men crucified in Jerusalem on one day. So crucifixion is an unfamiliar sight to us. We only associate it with Jesus. But crucifixion for them was not associated with a Messiah. It was not associated with religious people. It was, it was associated with rebels, with thugs, with thieves. So Jesus says, you must take up your cross. You must take up your cross and you must follow after me. In other words, to follow me is to follow my reproach. To follow me is to follow my rejection. To follow me is to follow the hostility that follows me. I'm headed toward death. This is what Jesus is saying to them. I'm headed toward death. And not just any death, but death on the cross. And quite frankly, so are you. This is what he's saying to the disciples. This is what he's saying to anyone who wants to follow after him. Take up your cross and follow after me. He's asking them, and by way of asking them, he's asking you and me. He's saying, look at, look at how valuable this gift is that I am offering you in salvation. Is, is the gift of salvation valuable enough to you that you would give up everything, even death? Is it valuable enough to you that you would willingly sacrifice? Is it worth enough to you that you would willingly endure persecution? The cross here being used as a metaphor for suffering. Is it, is it valuable enough to you that you would endure whatever suffering comes along with it? You see, not every believer who comes to Christ will die. But I will tell you this. There is suffering for every believer along the way. Not every believer who comes to Christ will die, but every believer will suffer along the way. Or suffer rejection from your family or your relatives, people you work with, people that you know. You'll suffer hostility or attacks. There's serious hostility to the message of Christ today. There's serious hostility toward those who are faithful Christians, who are godly Christians, who are living a faithful and godly life here in this dark world. They are the rebuke to the world, that's why. This is what he says at the end of the text, look at verse 38. Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in glory with his Father, with his holy angels. We live in a world that's hostile to the things of God. We live in a world that's hostile to the claims of Christ. Folks, this hostility wasn't something that just happened in Jesus' day. This hostility is something that happens in our day today. 
And people don't like the exclusive claims of Christ. You, you, you Christians think you're better than everybody else because you say you are the only ones who are right. No, my friend, we are not saying we are the ones who are right. It's not about us being right. It's about God's word being true. It's not our claim. It's his. He says no man comes to the Father but by me. The only way to God is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what distinguishes Christianity from every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world says if you want to get to God, you get to God in your own way. You get to God in your own effort. You get to God with your own good works. You get to God with your own religion or your own spiritual or religious experience. And Christianity says, no, 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 you must deny that. You must reject that. You must disown that. And you must be willing to pick up your cross and follow after him. You must recognize the value of the gift of salvation as being worth it to lose everything else. I know the stories of some of you in this room who when you came to faith in Christ, you were disowned by your family and friends. This is not something limited to New Testament Christianity. This is something that takes place even today. That to come after Jesus, to follow after Jesus, means you deny yourself. To follow after Jesus means you pick up your cross, you make the sacrifice. The gospel is never offered to people on the basis of, well, if you believe the gospel, then you'll get everything that you could possibly ever want. It's never offered that way. That's a false gospel. The gospel is offered to you and to me like this. Does this offer of salvation through Christ, life, death, burial, and resurrection, does it offer enough value to you that you would give up everything for it? And if you say, no, I do not think that much of Christ, then you do not truly know who Christ is. You do not truly know who Christ is. And let us be faithful to the truth of Christ. Listen, friend, no matter the cost. Let us be faithful to Christ no matter the cost. Following Jesus means self-denial. Following Jesus means cross-bearing. Last one, following Jesus means loyal obedience. Look at the text in verse number 34. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross and let him follow me. This word, follow me, it's in the continual sense. It literally is, keep on following me. That's what he's saying. It's not, it's not a one-time decision. I want to follow Jesus today, but I'm not for sure. I'll make my mind up tomorrow. It's in the continual sense. Keep on following. The, the word can actually be translated, imitate let us imitate Christ. 
John, the apostle, talks of it in the same way. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 6, John writes, He that saith that he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. You hear what John says? So if you say that you abide in Christ, if you say that Christ abides in you, if you say that you're following after Christ, well, then you ought to be walking in the way that Christ walked. You ought to be doing the things Christ has done. You ought to be speaking to people the way that Christ speaks. You ought to be showing love and joy and patience. And you ought to be evidencing the fruit of the Spirit in your life if you're truly in Christ and if Christ is truly in you. And Jesus says in John 8, if you abide, if my words abide in you, and if you abide in me, well, truly, if that's happening, John 8 says, Jesus says, then you are a real disciple of mine. You've truly come after me. You're abiding in the vine. And the vine is making fruit in your life. And Jesus says it again in John chapter 15. You are my friends. You're, you're, you're followers of mine. If you do whatsoever I have commanded you. James talks about the same idea. Do not be a hearer of the word only, but be a doer of the word also. Lest you deceive yourself into thinking that simply because you sat through a 45-minute sermon on a Sunday morning, that that was enough, that the truth is now in you. No, no, no. You do not know if the truth is in you. If you have not yet picked up your cross, denied yourself, and followed after Jesus in this way. Let us be doers of the word. If you were going to go on a long trip, you're going to be gone for a couple of weeks. The first thing you would do is you would say goodbye to people that you love. You'd, you'd contact your connection group leader. You, you'd call your friends around your neighborhood or co-workers at the office or friends in the church. And you'd say, hey, I just want to tell you goodbye. I'm going on a long trip. I'll be gone for a couple of weeks. I want you to know that. The first thing you'd say is goodbye. The second thing you'd do is you'd pick up your luggage. And the third thing you'd do is proceed on your journey. And this is the way it is in the Christian life. The first thing you do is say goodbye. You say goodbye to self. You say goodbye to self-righteousness. You say goodbye to your self-works. You say goodbye to your self-effort. You pick up your cross. You willingly value Christ above everything else. And you willingly pick up the, your cross. And then you simply go on your journey. And as we go on our journey, God's word becomes a lamp to our feet. Becomes a light to our path. That as we press into God's word, we read it, we hide it in our heart, we memorize it, we study it, and we share it. That God, through his word, leads us the way that he wants us to go. And we obediently follow him. We do not obey Christ in order to be loved by Christ. We obey Christ because we are loved by Christ. Do you understand the difference of that? It is not our obedience that earns us love from God. 
No, God has set his love on us. He showcased his love to us. He commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God already showed us his love. And now that we know his love, we refuse and reject ourselves. We say goodbye to our self-effort. We pick up our cross and we obediently go after Christ. We submit our will to his we submit our way to his. We submit our wants, our desires to him. Following after Jesus means you're, you're broken, you're crushed, you're humbled under this truth. But following after Jesus means you remain that way. In fact, that's the only way you can grow in your Christian life. Is to remain humble and crushed, and broken under the great truth of the gospel that God loved you and sent Jesus to die on the cross for you, knowing everything about you. He loves you anyway. You might look at it like this. You might say, well, if you want to grow upward like a tree, let's say in knowledge or fullness or understanding. Just as the tree, in order for it to grow upward, the roots must go deep. And in order for us to grow in our knowledge of Christ, and in order for us to grow in our understanding of God, our roots of humility must go deeper and deeper and deeper, so much so that the more you know, the deeper the roots go. The more your knowledge of Christ grows and increases, the more your humility increases as well. The more you know of Him, the less you think of yourself. This is what John says in John 3.30. It's what I claim for my life verse. It's, it's the verse that I want my life to be identified by. He must increase and I must decrease. This is the condition for discipleship, friend. He must increase and I must decrease. 